If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Welcome in to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I am your host, Benjamin Wargle, the Wisconsin football and men's basketball beat writer for Rivals.com. Wisconsin basketball, a big win on Thursday night against Indiana, a 80-73 double overtime victory, a game in which Wisconsin did not play very well for the first 35 minutes. And we were able to figure things out defensively the last five minutes. Made some huge shots at the end of regulation and overtime. And some big defensive stands as well to pull away in that double overtime period. It's Wisconsin's 22nd victory in the last 25 means against Indiana. 18 straight victories over the Hoosiers at the Kohl Center. It sounds like it's been easy pickings. It certainly was not on Thursday, and it sets up a huge week ahead for Wisconsin where the Badgers will play number 10 Michigan in Ann Arbor on Tuesday. Michigan, the only undefeated team left in Big Ten play, and then number 15 Rutgers on Friday, although Scarlet Knights just lost, so their ranking's going to drop a little bit. We're going to get into all of that, and we're going to do some film study. Excited to welcome in my guest this week, Sean Varanasi. He is the he runs the Twitter handle at Badgers Film. He does a lot of pieces for BadgerBlitz.com, breaking down Wisconsin film from their more recent games. He's going to break down a lot of what went right and well uh, and did not go so right and well against Indiana. He's going to look at it a little bit to Michigan, going to kind of dive into Jonathan Davis, Nate Reavers. Really the last six minutes of this game where everything sort of changed for Wisconsin, where had, the game kind of had a, a Maryland-type feel to it, where Wisconsin had a lead in the second half, I just couldn't quite keep building on it. Maryland just kept punching them in the post. Same thing against Indiana. Indiana was relentless in the second half in the in the paint, 28 points in the paint for that 20-minute stretch, although Wisconsin did figure things out. So we're going to talk about what happened in that last six minutes, what really changed, and why Indiana was able to have such success against Wisconsin. So anxious to talk to Sean here in a little bit, and also play back here in just a couple of minutes the audio from Demetric Trice, one of the many heroes of this game and head coach Greg Gard post Thursday. But I want to dive into this game a little bit where what we saw was like, I've kind of mentioned was the defense was just so leaky for Wisconsin. Indiana shot 66.7% on its 32nd half possessions. And that was largely by the Hoosiers getting into the lane uncontested and finishing around the rim. I mentioned the 20 points in the paint. They were 11 for 17 on layups and 5-for-5 five five on dunks. Micah Potter was struggling a little bit. Aline Ford was struggling a little bit. Those are two really good offensive options for head coach Greg Gard. But he got to the point where he just decided that he needed to sit down Potter, sit down Ford, and really go with his best five defensive players down the stretch to try to stem the tide and really just kind of take it as far as he could, whether even if the game was over or foul troubles or what have you. And those five players were Tyler Wall, Nate Reavers, Demetric Trice, Brad Davison, and Jonathan Davis. And the plan worked. Uh, at the time of the switch, which was just about six minutes left, Indiana was 76.5% from the floor. They were 13 for 17. And with that new unit on the floor, Indiana went just 3 for 7 with two turnovers on the final nine possessions. There's a lot of huge moments in the game uh, down the stretch. Tyler Wall had a tremendous defensive steal at the top of the key that led to a layup on the other end, about 5.08 remaining. That cut the deficit to 56-53 and kind of got the momentum going back in Wisconsin's direction. There's a huge defensive play by Nate Reavers, who just a couple possessions earlier uh, double-teaming with Tyler Wall. Tyler Wall, I'll get to him more in a minute, but gave up 25 pounds to Indiana's sophomore forward, Trace Jackson Davis still was able to kind of stick with him quite a bit in this game. 
him and Reavers worked very well double teaming him to kind of try to thwart him a little bit. Davis was just unconscious. I think it was 10 of 17 they finished with uh, from the floor. Uh, just a robust 23 points that he was able to score. And Indiana played without its second best player in this game, too. The Hoosiers didn't miss him. Uh, Jackson Davis, 10 of 16, uh, 12 rebounds, three blocks. Just looked it up real quick. Uh, you look at that big defensive stand by Reavers. Just a possession or two earlier, Trace uh, Jackson Davis lured the double team of Reavers and Wall to the baseline, which opened up Jerome Hunter for an uncontested slam in the paint. And that's just kind of the, the things that Hoosiers were doing, just kind of getting Wisconsin off their keys a little bit. And Reavers came back after a huge shot by Demetri Trace tied the game. One-on-one with Jackson Davis in the post, didn't leave his feet, stayed set, hands up, and really did a nice defensive clinic on Jackson Davis and forced him into a tough shot that went off the rim at forced overtime. At the end of overtime, Eljami Durham took advantage of Brad Davison after another big three-point shot by Demetri Trice that gave Wisconsin a lead. Uh, Brad Davison, who kind of struggled a little bit throughout this game uh, periodically, he was able to, Elijah Durham was able to kind of get past Davison, draw a foul on a bucket for a three-point play. Demetri Trice on the next trip down the floor ties the game with 11.1 seconds left. Davison gets revenge by tying up Durham right around the three-point elbow with about 1.3 seconds left to take away Indiana's chance to win the game in overtime. Just these big defensive stops for Wisconsin. They forced 13 turnovers, 10 coming on steals. That were a season high. And Demetri Trice, you'll hear him say in a minute, about changing the mindset. The mindset changed down the stretch. Someone else whose mindset changed a little bit was Nate Reavers, who was terrible early on. I mean, he made a, a couple of good post plays, but he just took some bad shots. He missed an uncontested uh, offensive rebound coming on the glass. It looked like he was trying to dunk it or go for a layup somewhere in between and ended up just clanking off the backboard. He tried to draw a foul at the top of the key. And it didn't work, and he missed badly, and guard Sam down quickly thereafter. And Trice and Davison both got in Reavers' face, and you could see they were being very forceful with him. He responded well to that. Uh, Reavers sat for quite a bit of time, and then in the second half, he scored 10 of his 14 points. He showed better low post fundamentals. He worked his angles better, and he got to the free throw line. He was 6-for-6 in the final 20 minutes of the game. And I mentioned the low post defense. Jackson Davis scored 11 straight Indiana points around the midpoint of the second half, scored or assisted on. And after that stretch, thanks to Reavers, Jackson Davis didn't make a field goal the final 16 minutes. Wisconsin was better on the glass uh, against Minnesota. They gave up 16 offensive rebounds and 19 second chance points. Indiana was just coming up a game where they had 12 offensive rebounds and a 14-4 edge in second chance points against Maryland. Wisconsin held them in 50 minutes of game time to only 32 rebounds and two offensive rebounds. Demetri Trice was phenomenal in this game. He hit the big shots. He has turned into this team's Trayvon Jackson slash Bronson Koenig. He wants the ball in his hands, and he admitted so after the game that when he felt that Wisconsin was getting stagnant, he knew he had to come in and make plays. He hit an incredibly tough runner in in the lane to force regulation, to force uh, over the first overtime. In that overtime, I mentioned the three-pointer. He hits a step-back jumper with 11.1 seconds left to tie the game and eventually force a second overtime. He was fantastic. He did everything exceptionally well in this game. And not just the leading the team with 21 points. It was the fact that he had seven assists to just one turnover. Uh, he had 11 points in the final 103 of the game and the overtimes. Someone who has been kind of criticized a little bit for not being that that player who can really take over a game for Wisconsin. He now has at least 20 points in three of the last four games. He's averaging 22.3 points over that stretch. He's playing at an exceptionally high level. And that has kind of fed into other players. Look at Tyler Wall, who came into this game not shooting the ball particularly well from three-point range. He was just two for nine on the season, having lost so much confidence in that shot. He only attempted one three-pointer since December 9th. And like I said, he was on his floor primary for his defense, which the team badly needed. 
but Wall delivered three-pointers on consecutive possessions in front of Wisconsin's bench in double overtime that effectively sealed the game. First came late in the shot clock and put Wisconsin up 74-70, certainly a surprise uh, to a degree that it was him shooting the ball and not Trice. But you look at the next possession, he comes down confidently, shoots another one, it goes in, they're up seven. Indiana calls timeout with 238 in double overtime. He is mobbed by his teammates. Wisconsin is an embarrassment of riches on this team to the point where Tyler Wall doesn't need to be that guy that needs to go in and hit those type of shots. But when he does, and he scores a career-high 12 points, that's just another huge weapon for this team. And they need to find a way to have that consistency from start to finish. I know it's you're never going to have that perfect game. But these slow starts that Wisconsin's have have had this season and these lulls that the Badgers have had really has put them in precarious situations. Indiana, I think, was the better team the majority of the game Thursday. But Wisconsin made those big plays when they needed to the most. Thanks to Wall, Trice, Reavers down the stretch, Jonathan Davis, who didn't shoot the ball well, but he had a career-high eight rebounds and a career-best three steals in 41 minutes. That's the most he's ever played. Just timely plays from this group. Brad Davison, who did not shoot the ball particularly well, he was just three for eight in this game, makes that big defensive stop at the end of overtime. Uh, Mike Empire did not play a lot. He only played about 23 minutes in this game. Still 10 points, 5 of 7, efficient. Liam Ford was good early on, 8 points in just 19 minutes. But just the yeoman's work, Nate Reavers, 35 minutes. Dimitri Trice played almost 47 minutes. Davison and Wall each played 41 minutes. Tyler Wall played 30. Just just an 8-man rotation for Wisconsin, and it got the job done, even though it didn't look really pretty uh, at at the end of it. But all that matters is that Wisconsin's now 10-2, this season, 4-1 in Big Ten play. It's their best start uh, in Big Ten play in four years. How about winning at home? Wisconsin, 36-5 and at home over the last three seasons. Let's hear from one of the stars of the game, Demetri Trice, who spoke to the media post-game. Obviously, when the ball's going through the net, it always feels good, especially in timely manners like um, at the end of regulation and at the end of the first overtime with um, my two shots. And then, obviously, in the second overtime with T-Wall hitting two big threes that obviously gave us the boost we needed. Um, to help us propel to get the win. Hey, Demetri, I know he's your teammate, but be honest. Did you expect Wall to hit not only one, but two, given given his numbers coming into this, to this game? Um, of course, honestly. Um, I see him work on it every day. And it's funny because we were just talking about it. We're the last two um, uh, players in the gym after shoot-around. And Coach Tucker's always working with him on catch and shooting. And he does this after every shoot around and he works on um, spot up shooting coming off uh, on balls and things like that with his shooting performance. And we knew it was only it was only going to take a couple of times for him to get hot. And <clears throat> he got hot in the right right time and when we really needed it. Um, so we got to give Tuck, Coach Tuck, a lot of um, praise for putting us in those positions of working with us at the end of um shoot around to for me it's more ball screens and attacking bigs and i think it showed throughout the whole game um that that work is finally paying off you guys obviously struggled defensively the first 15 16 minutes of the second half what what changed after that in your opinion yeah i think our mindset changed a little bit um we knew that we needed to stop uh, allowing them to get their easy points in the paint. And we know that Indiana feeds off of two-point field goals, and they were getting too too many easy shots. And um, I think just after every timeout, we were just harping on our guys to continue to play, continue to fight. Indiana's a good team, so we got to tip our hat to them um, for playing as hard as they did and, and making it a close game to the, to the very end. So um, we got to just get back to the drawing board. Um, obviously, there's a lot of things that we can clean up, but – Indiana did a great job of executing, and at the end of the day, it was just about who could get more stops, and we, we ended up doing that down the road. Uh, Dimitri, uh, you guys are 4-1 in the Big Ten. Um, what have you found out about yourself, especially after a big win like tonight? What have you found out about yourself so far going into this, what should be a very difficult week? Yeah, um, yeah, we got a really big week coming up, uh, two road games that are going to be um, really tough. Obviously, playing Michigan, who's a really hot team, one of the hottest teams in the country, and then at Rutgers, playing at Rack Arena is always, always a struggle, and we're looking for our first win there. So, um, 
I think just uh, getting getting to this this win um, in double overtime is the, is a big help, big momentum booster um, for us to get back to the um, to where we need to be. And I think um, it definitely shows. Obviously, we're the we're the oldest team probably in in the country. We're definitely older than the Bulls, as the announcers keep saying um, <clears throat> after or during every game. So we just we just know that we're a hard nosed, gritty team. Um, we got to continue to play uh, Wisconsin defense, and that's the that's what's going to get the job done. And I think that's what really helped us win, um, especially in the last five minutes of the game when we needed stops. Meach, Nate obviously struggled a little early. It looked like you said something to him along with Brad. Can you share what you said to him, and how do you like his response in the second half for you guys? Um, I don't know if I can say exactly word for word what we said, but it was along the lines of he needed to get his head out of his butt. Um, because of the the way he was playing, and we knew that we we expect better from him. Um, somebody that has been on the team for a long time, he's a senior. We expect uh, the best, so <clears throat> we knew that he wasn't playing up to his potential. So we we had to get out onto him a couple different times. Um, but he obviously responded very very well in the second half. He had a couple key buckets in the post, and he played he played really good defense on uh, Trace, who was their hot hand, and he was getting whatever he wanted. He got some good timely stops and jump walls um, that really helped us. It should seem like you were really driving the offense toward the end of the regulation, and then in overtime there, could you kind of feel that that the ball needed to be in your hands, and you kind of needed to be the person to score? Yeah, definitely. I think that um, at times we got a little stagnant, and um, I felt that uh, I needed to have the ball in my hands to make a, either make a play for somebody else or look for my own shot and create for um, for myself, and I was able to do that, and I think that it just shows all the hard work and the, the dedication that I put in the gym that um, I can find people like I did for T-Wall and some other guys um, and then also look for my own shot. Does this have a feel of the Maryland game at all? Uh, just the way it played out in the second half, with this unable to stop them, and I don't know if it felt that way at all. If you thought about that, yeah, um, especially in the second half, we came out flat again. Um, obviously, not getting stops when we needed it to. Like you guys have said, the first twelve to fifteen minutes of the the second half, um, we did not get stops when we needed it, and that obviously hurts, and it feeds into their confidence, and that's just something that we need to work on and continue to get better at. Um, obviously, we, we got enough stops, um, not like we did in the Maryland game, but we got enough stops there at the end to help us get to the overtime and then to another overtime. So um, I, I got to tip my hat to the guys who, who didn't uh, didn't give up, kept fighting, and continued to make plays. Yeah, Dimitri, back to the, the point where you and Brad were talking to Nate down in the lane there. Do you, is there ever any hesitation of challenging a teammate like that, or do you think he'll take it the message as you guys intended? Um, <clears throat> we're all old, old guys. We're all uh, grown men. We can all, we can take criticism. We can harp on each other, tell each other what we need to do. If, if somebody needs to come to me and talk to me like that, I think I'll respond very well. And I think everybody, um, takes criticism a little bit different in different ways. So we knew that we could yell at Nate in that way and he would have to respond, um, in a positive manner in which he did in that second half. So, um, definitely in the heat, heat of the moment of the game, it's definitely, uh, a challenge to figure out exactly how to talk to different guys. But um, in, in moments like that, I think we're all grown men. We're all able to talk to each other how we how we see fit. So um, in that moment, we knew that we needed to get Nate to, to get rolling and start playing well. That's senior point guard Demetri Trice. This was Wisconsin's first overtime game uh, since 2019, where they beat Ohio State 73-67. This was Wisconsin's first double overtime win since 2013 when they beat Iowa. Now Wisconsin is 7-5 and five in overtimes under head coach Greg Gard. And the other thing I should mention too, Wisconsin just seven turnovers in this game, none in the second half. That pushes their streak of 11 or fewer turnovers to 30 consecutive games. Badgers enter the game second in the NCAA, just 8.3 turnovers per game. The other big thing to mention here, Wisconsin went 16 for 20 at the free throw line. Indiana just 5 of 8. Wisconsin a much better job of not putting the Hoosiers on the line for free points. That's how you win games when the opponent uh, shoots better than you do. Let's hear from head coach Greg Gard. Heck of a college game. Uh, hopefully those that listened to it or viewed it on TV enjoyed it. Um, I, I can go up and down the, the list of the guys that played that made big plays. Um, you know, it's two really good teams going at it, and, and I thought we responded when our backs were against the wall we were against the ropes many times and had um, 
make plays. Finally, defensively got some things ironed out and, and got better, uh, you know, down the stretch of, of the second half and, and overtime as well. But a lot of big plays. Demetri Trice was terrific. Nate Reavers, I thought, really stepped up. Tyler Wall with some huge plays. Johnny Davis with some, some terrific defensive rebounding. Um, so really proud of our guys, how we battled back and, and found a way to win. Had you guys talked in the offseason about Tyler's improved shooting from three-point range, but it hadn't shown itself, at least in games. Any surprise on your part when he took the first one and, the, and then the second one? Well, I think the one thing with young players, it's always about confidence. And he needs to continue to, you know, rep his, his shooting and, and get the routine and the, the release consistent. Um, but he, before tonight, he was two for nine. So that's 20-some percent. He's one more make. You're shooting 33%. So then the numbers don't look so bad. But for him, it was about confidence. And that's typical for anyone, any young player. Um, so happy for him to see the ball go in and, and, you know, obviously see a huge smile come to his face. But he also made some other – I mean, the steal and the dunk when we were down five were, was big. Um, some defensive plays that he made forced a jump ball at one point, um, I believe. And, uh, you know, obviously made a – made a lot of big plays for us but uh, you know it's it's always exciting when you see somebody take another step in their development and obviously for Tyler it's going to continue to be what he can do um, you know from shooting the ball and, and consistency from three so happy for him because he needed that that was a good boost for him. Hey Greg you're four and one here in the Big Ten and you've shown a lot of things most good a few bad but uh, what has this team shown you especially after a kind of response they made in the clutch tonight yeah well, it's a gritty group you know and i think the versatility that uh you know who's who's the right combination what is the right combination to have on the floor sometimes it's made for offensive reasons tonight it was all made on on the defensive end we were just giving up way too much in the paint way too much at the rim and finally at the point in time i don't know when it was i'll watch the tape and see when i just said that's it I, i've got to go just best defensive lineup and, and ride it until they either foul out or, or fall over. And and obviously we ran the, the same five guys other than Mike a little bit when Nate got his fourth in, in overtime or in the overtimes. But, um, you know, I think the grit of this group, the versatility of this group, every every night's going to be a battle. This league is hard. Um, you're going to get teams good shot, best shot. Um, Indiana's good. Their, their, their record doesn't, I think, speak to how good of a team there is they are um look at the analytics that tells you um you know what the type of team they are and and uh defensively made things hard for us you know they're they're wired defensively much like we are um in terms of how they play so offensively we knew it was not going to be easy um we're gonna have to work for everything and unfortunately we had enough in the tank down the stretch to to pull ourselves up and and uh get enough stops and make some plays on the offensive end to, to get some separation and win. So I think, Tom, that's a long-winded answer, but the grit of this group, the, the, the mental toughness of this group, I think helped. Once you got the group in there that you wanted defensively, what did you think they did well the last four minutes of regulation and, and both overtimes? I mean, what, what, what stopped Indiana from getting to the rim so often? Stopped letting them shoot layups and kept the ball out of the paint as much as possible. Um, forced him into some tougher shots, um, you know. So I think that's you know, it's, it sounds simplistic, but we forced tougher shots. We didn't let the ball into the deep into the paint. We stopped giving up layups. Um, we cleaned up. We did a I mean, terrific job in the glass all night. I mean, we have two offensive rebounds, so we did a really good job there, um, you know. And then we're able to get enough going offensively to to hang with them and and keep matching them basket for basket play for play but I think the biggest thing is that we were able to to shut off you know eight feet and in um, around the rim. Greg did you think this game was reminiscent at all of the Maryland game at one point in the second half and I was curious with the lineup that Indiana has too if that was similar at all to Maryland I remember you saying Maryland's a little bit smaller and that was kind of a tough matchup and led to some points in the game. Yeah I, I don't it was similar in terms of we were not very good defensively for a chunk of that second half. I mean, we were good the first half, a couple busts on some uh, one in transition where we didn't cover in the first half, a three, um, a little late, slower closeout on a couple threes in the first half. But but the numbers wise, uh, we were good in the first half. For some reason, the second half, we, you know, we got into the trading baskets mode 
and uh, we had to get out of that mode. So we just got better defensively. I think that's the biggest thing is um, we were able to find the lineup and, and ride that and, and find a way to get enough stops and keep ourselves in the game. You mentioned grit and battling back. There have been some games where Nate, at least offensively, hasn't been efficient early. And tonight's another one of those where, you know, Meech and, and Davison challenge him and he makes some plays. But what can he do or what does he need to do to maybe get into the flow a little better in that first half? I, I know if he had the answer, we'd fix it. I don't know. Change what he's eating for pregame meal, sleep on the other side of the pillow. I ask him that all the time. What works well for everybody? What works well? Keep doing it. If if something doesn't work, I don't change what you're. I don't know. Tie your other shoe first. Um, you know. So I don't, Jeff. I don't have a great answer for you. I mean, I thought he finished around the paint after the first little flurry, and I sat him down. Came back in. I thought he was better in the first half and finishing at the rim. Um, he just got to get in there and play off two feet. He doesn't play off two feet. When he plays off two feet and you hear the pop, I don't know if you can hear it up where you're you're sitting. When he gets in there and jump stops hard on two feet and you hear that smack, um, he's really good at the rim. When he's playing off one foot and he kind of wobbles in there a little bit, then he's not as strong with the finish. Nobody is. So I think that's one thing, and we've worked on that. We've emphasized that, and he's he knows it. So we just got to continue to, when he is that in that eight-foot zone, um, try to play off two feet and pl- try to play through contact more consistently. Then again, head coach Gregard speaking after Wisconsin's win Thursday against Indiana. As we sit here Saturday morning, Wisconsin is one game out of first place in the Big Ten. As I mentioned earlier, Michigan is the only undefeated team left in Big Ten play. They're 10-0, ranked uh, 10-0, 5-0 in conference play. They're ranked 10th in the country. Illinois is a game, a half game back at 5-1. Wisconsin-Iowa at 4-1 and one, and then a log jam. Minnesota, Purdue, Northwestern, and Rutgers at three and three. Ohio State and Indiana at two and three. Michigan State two and four. Maryland one and five. Their only win coming at Wisconsin. Penn State zero and three, and Nebraska zero and four. Penn State is now on pause because of COVID. So not only do they have to remake the Wisconsin game from this past Sunday, but they also have to remake a game coming up against Michigan and Rutgers. Ironically, both Michigan and Rutgers now have a little bit of extra time to prepare for playing Wisconsin. So kind of interesting how that worked out. But big week ahead for the Badgers, uh, certainly going against Michigan. And then the game at Rutgers will be interesting too. Wisconsin has never won at Rutgers since the Scarlet Knights joined the Big Ten. This week on the podcast, we wanted to take you into the Badger Blitz film room, and our film expert is here to join us, breaking down a little bit of what we saw against Indiana, and then maybe looking ahead a little bit to Michigan, big game next week for the Badgers, uh, Sean Varanasi joins the program. And Sean, thanks for your time. You've been doing these Badger Blitz uh, film room breakdowns for quite some time. I know they're very popular on the site, and um, you looked at the Minnesota win. I thought that was a critical moment for Wisconsin because of what we saw or should I say did not see against Maryland and then the Badgers really kind of stuck to their script and played some very good all-around basketball against Minnesota on New Year's Eve now it's been a week with the cancellation or the I should say the postponement of the Penn State game before the Indiana game when you watch the game on Thursday night between Wisconsin and Indiana what are some things that stood out to you from a film perspective of uh, some of the reasons that Wisconsin struggled, uh, let's first start on the offensive end of the floor, really for the first 35 minutes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Wisconsin definitely um, struggled a little bit on the offensive end uh, early in the game, as you noted, uh, for the first 35 minutes or so. Um, and, I, and I think it's important to note uh, Indiana is just a good defense, too, right? So um, I think coming into the game, Ken Palm had him ninth uh, in adjusted defense, and I think that's kind of where they were at for. And Wisconsin ended up with uh, 1.07 points per possession, which is which is pretty good considering that, right? And I think uh, Mark Torvik had it as a, actually an above average um, offensive performance considering a uh, you know strength of opponent. Um, so it, overall, it wasn't a, it wasn't a bad day um, for Wisconsin, but I think Indiana's defense did make do some things to make uh, make Wisconsin work kind of hard. Um, so Indiana kind of runs this pack line defense, right? Um, and it's similar to what we see with Wisconsin, where off the ball, everyone's kind of shrunk into to this pack line, which is essentially an imaginary 17-foot arc where, where everyone tries to kind of sit in and help when they're not guarding on the ball. Um, and that kind of made things uh, difficult for Wisconsin in a couple ways. Um, and if you boil down Wisconsin's offense, 
you know, the main features are post-ups and pick and rolls, right? So, you know, looking first at post-ups, um, what Indiana did, um, two main things that, that really made, made things tough was the first was they just refused to, to concede any position, right? So they did a great job all game of, of rooting out um, Potter and Reavers and then a lean forward when they were trying to get deep post touches and force these guys really to catch the ball from like 15 to 17 feet. Um, and that's and that's really not ideal because, you know, the deeper you catch the ball, the more efficient it will be. And uh, conversely, if you catch the ball, you know, 15, 17 feet on a post touch with your back to the basket, um, it's not the most efficient situation. So Indiana did a great job of doing that. Um, and the other thing they did was just denying the passing angles on the entry. So not only was Wisconsin struggling to establish position um, in the post, they had a, you know they had a tough time entering the ball. So there's some ball pressure, um, you know, for the guys trying to feed the post. Um, sometimes there's another man on that side trying to help and, and deny the passing angle. Um, and, and usually what you do to counter that is just kind of empty out the side and try to run a little two man to get to get the post feed. But it, it was just something that Indiana did a great job on, on kind of helping and denying the post entries. So that was uh, that was kind of the first thing that Indiana did a great job of. Secondly, in, in, in the pick and roll situations, um, Indiana just did a really good job of just kind of stunting and recovering. So, you know, Wisconsin likes to get into the pick and roll action where they do like kind of a roll and replace or a pick and pop. Um, Indiana really does a great job of like, um, you know, they were running kind of like a, almost like a softer hedge. It wasn't really a hard hedge, but it was, it was kind of a softer hedge. And then a guy like Potter or Reavers would roll. Um, and then Indiana would kind of bring over the weak side help, jam the roller, recover. Um, and Trice historically does a pretty good job of like baiting that help guy on the weak side to, uh, to recover back to his man on the perimeter early. And then, and then kind of getting the late pass to the roller. So he got that early one to Potter. Um, but besides that, Indiana kind of tightened that up, and they, they kind of weren't falling for it. So uh, that was uh, another thing Indiana was doing really well. It was just their help was just on time. Um, it was well-coordinated, and they recovered. Um, they recovered really quickly. On the flip side of that, Wisconsin did a lot of really good things defensively early. I thought they had that intensity that was needed to to win those type of games when offensively maybe you're not clicking as much as as the team would desire to be. I mean, Indiana just shot 40% in the first half, and Wisconsin had you know, a lead, not really a, a massive lead, but a, a lead comfortable enough of a couple possessions. But then things tra- changed so drastically in the second half with Indiana's ability to get to the paint, and they scored 28 of their points in the paint in that second half. What did you notice that the Hoosiers changed that Wisconsin was not able to adjust to until about like about six minutes left in that half? Yeah, so defensively, um, Wisconsin struggled, and, and you know you mentioned the Maryland game where, and it was a it was kind of similar things to that where Indiana, you know, they have some athletes who can put the ball on the floor. Um, they run some, you know, basic roll and replace kind of stuff, and uh, it really makes, uh, you know, they're they're kind of targeting Brad Davison on the replace action. So Brad would kind of it would run a little ball screen with um, Trace Jackson Davis, and he would be the roller, and Brad would kind of be that weak side help would have to come over, um, tag the roller, and recover over to his man who was uh, um, Al Durham. But basically, what was going on is there, you know, while Brad was tagging, they they skipped the ball over to Al Durham, who just drove the closeout. Brad just, you know, sometimes he was a little sloppy on the closeout, sometimes he was a little late, sometimes just out of position. But they were doing a lot of that and getting into the lane. So it was either Durham getting to the rim, um, Durham getting to the rim and, and uh, able to dish off to Trace Jackson Davis. There was some pick and roll where they just got to Davis directly. Um, so I think what they were just trying to do is, is try to get Wisconsin almost in a scramble situation where they, they made Davis and cover a lot of space um, and, and recover. And I think, you know, what they did differently – to, uh, to cause some of those issues was uh, they started running their, their ball screen game a little wider. So what I mean by that is in the first half, a lot of it was on super tight. So they were running the roll man, um, you know, wasn't rolling super wide, wasn't really demanding a lot of help. Um, and, it, and it actually made it really easy for, you know, the big who was involved in the screening action defensively for Wisconsin. It made his job a lot easier to recover because he just had less ground to, less ground to cover, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But once you widen out that action, you send that roll man almost on a wider roll, almost like through the through the middle of the lane or even through the opposite side of the lane. All of a sudden, you've got a way further, um, you know, recovery space for the big man involved in the screening action, which is going to demand more help from the weak side. So they they started widening out that action in the second half, um, and, and that's kind of how they started targeting 
guard said uh, to us after the game that right around probably the six-minute mark, he had pretty much seen enough. And he made a pretty drastic change in the lineup. Uh, you didn't see Aleem Ford very much down the stretch. You didn't see Micah Potter very much down the stretch. He went with his five best defenders, and that for him is Trice, Davison, uh, Jonathan Davis, who has played, I think, fantastic to this point, uh, Nate Reavers, and Tyler Wall. What did those five guys bring down the stretch that really changed the project, the kind of the outcome of the game? Because from that point on, Indiana looked vastly different with the looks they were able to get inside, and the post defense really improved as well. I think Indiana was, I think, three of seven with two turnovers in their last nine possessions, and no offensive rebounds, which was big considering that was a big uh, sore spot for Wisconsin in that Minnesota win. Right. Um, yeah, and that lineup was uh, was locked down defensively, and I think that's kind of the calling card for uh, for some of these late game situations, and that's something that's gone back to. Uh, to bow to is, is down the stretch when it down just just go with the best defensive lineup and figure it out on the offensive end. But you know Potter, obviously, you know it's been talked about how much he struggles in ball screen situations. Um, he, he did all right yesterday. I thought there are a couple plays, mainly in, in more of a straight line drive situations where he struggled. Um, and then a lean forward was it, it just wasn't a good matchup game for him. I think they were they were able to drive in. They were able to put him in positions defensively. Where uh, you know he was struggling to stay in front of his man, and then when you talk about Wall, Davis, and uh, Reavers, all those guys bring some different stuff to the table. So you got Reavers who does a great job in, in ball screen situations, typically, right? Um, so he does a good job just kind of cutting off penetration, knowing when the right time to recover is. Um, Wall is, is is just really good at, at, at being an on time help. Um, so Wall usually finds himself in some of those weak side situations where he needs to come over and either jam the roller or come over and cut off penetration. Um, he's kind of hyper aware uh, at all times on defense. I think there's some lapses here and there, but in general, he's a, he's a really good, consistent defender. So that was great. He played lights out down the stretch, and I think Davis. It's it's kind of interesting because Guard said earlier this year that you know what sometimes Davis might you know lack in understanding of the rules, so to speak, on defense. He makes up for it with just like hyper athleticism, um, super quick uh, reactions to what's going on on the floor. Um, and Davis just just seems to find himself around the ball, and I don't think that's a coincidence. And you know that's a that's a really good defensive trait because he's quick to help. He's a great rebounder, as we saw yesterday. Um, and even in the first half, I think he made I think there are two or three defensive possessions in a row where he made some really great plays, whether it was a save or it was a tip, um, and and stuff like that. And I think uh, you know I think Guard appreciates that, and he knows that you, know, you can count on Davis, and he's a versatile player on that end as well because you know you can put him on. Um, some guards, and he'll he'll be able to he'll be able to guard on the perimeter. He's got he's got good strength and good athleticism. Um, to be, you know, if he's put in ball screen situations or if someone tries to penetrate, and he finishes the possession well because he he can sky for the rebound. He times his jumps well. Um, all around, he's just a, he's just rock solid on defensive end. Through what we've seen through Big Ten play, Sham, have has Wisconsin faced a team that has done something similar to another team? What I mean by that has Maryland done something? To Wisconsin, that Minnesota did to Wisconsin, or that uh, that Indiana did. I mean, has everything been different that Wisconsin has faced, or have you seen some similarities in how teams are attacking Wisconsin or trying to defend Wisconsin to this point? Um, you know, I, I do think um, in terms of attacking Wisconsin, I think there is, you know, so to speak, a little bit of a blueprint, and it's uh, it's a lot of these secondary line drives. So like I said, where you know Indiana was attacking to close out when Brad had to close out on the weak side. That's one thing. Um, where you know Wisconsin, it's they're not going to beat you with um, just outstanding perimeter lockdown defense where they're, they're, they won't allow penetration. Right. So there's a lot of you know Wisconsin. You know doesn't do a greatest job of stopping penetration, but what they do do well is, is bringing the help. Um, bringing the help early, recovering well, um, knowing their assignments, things like that. But, you know, if you put them in, in two or three ball screen situations per, per, uh, per possession, eventually, you know, there's going to be a crack in the dam. And I think Maryland kind of exposed that a little bit where they would go into a ball screen action, then immediately into another ball screen action, to another ball screen action. I think that kind of shows that eventually, um, you know, no matter how good a defensive team is, if you continue to put pressure on them over and over again, um, there's going to be some, uh, you know, some exposure there. So I think Maryland kind of kind of showed that, um, and Wisconsin, you know, to be fair, didn't you know didn't bring their A game defensively that 
Minnesota tried a little bit of that. Um, Wisconsin came out with a with a little different game plan against Marcus Carr that I, you know that I covered in the piece where they were they were hedging a little more to cut off the penetration. And Indiana was doing some similar stuff too, where they were where they were going into a ball screen, they're going into another ball screen. They ran like little exchanges into a ball screen, um, all sorts of stuff where they they were just trying to squeeze in as many um, as many help and recover situations in the possession for Wisconsin as possible, and eventually try to force a mistake. Where do you sit on, on Nate Reavers? What have you seen from him when things go exceptionally well, kind of like they did in the second half? And where do you seen when things don't go well, like they did kind of in the first half? Greg Gard said, as I played a little bit ago, it's kind of with his footwork. Um, when he goes up two feet and strong, he has success. He hits buckets or he gets to the free throw line. When he one foots or kind of has that fadeaway, he's more inconsistent. Is it simply just that, or are you seeing more that kind of leads to the two different Nate Reavers fans have seen through uh, the first part of this season? No, I think I think uh, I saw that quote too, and I think Gard kind of captured it well. Um, I guess what I'd add is is one of the things I think that we saw through you know basically the whole season so far is that Nate has, has obviously struggled in the post, and to me, um, it, it does look like he's rushing, he's pressing a little bit, and that's kind of something you see when guys get into a little bit of a slump. Um, you know, he's getting those post touches. Uh, you know, he's not going up style, but he doesn't have his two, you know, his feet on the ground. He's he's, he's one footing it, um, and he's fading away a lot too. And I think that's kind of a symptom of, of pressing and rushing a little bit too. Um, is is when you're you're afraid to get blocked, you're fading away. Um, but I think what he actually turned around yesterday, and this is actually something that I think Badger fans should feel a little bit of uh, excitement about, is it looked like he really slowed down. Um, and what I mean by that is they weren't getting him deep post touches, which he likes, but he was getting some of those uh, you know, 15-foot post touches kind of in the short corner. And he just kind of you know, methodically, deliberately backed down. He, he went in with a plan. He got down kind of within, you know, within that 8-foot zone or so, as Gard calls it. Um, and he used pump fakes, he used pivots, um, and, and he didn't rush the shot. He wasn't afraid of the shot blocker. And when you do that, you go up off two feet, you're going to naturally go up a little stronger. Um, and, and you obviously will have a better shot or a better chance of putting the shot in. Um, and I think that's you kind of saw the game slow down for him a little bit yesterday. Um, and hopefully that's a sign, you know, a promising sign moving forward. Um, and as he hopes to uh, get out of the slump, but I think uh, I think Gard captured it well. Um, he's just a little more solid physically. Um, he slows down, um, and, he, and he's using his two feet uh, two feet properly. What else stood out about the win over Indiana uh, for you when you kind of broke down the film? Um, I think uh, you know what was most was most promising was, was some of the adjustments on the defensive end down the stretch. So you obviously talked about the lineup changes, um, but but what happened late is I think Brett Davison um, made a couple plays defensively. So obviously you know we all remember the uh, the tie up on the perimeter, but there are a couple times where he blew up some of the curl actions that they're running for uh, Al Durham. So they were in a couple of those little tight curls around the lane line, um, and Brad kind of got caught chasing or caught behind the play. Um, and one way to blow that up is just try to beat your man to the spot when he's trying to get around the screen and just kind of blows up the action. Brad did that a couple times. Um, he cut off penetration a couple times, which was, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of a big deal to see, uh, you know, such a big shift in, in the uh, ability to stop a certain action that's been giving you trouble, um, you know, with, with three minutes left in regulation. So that was kind of a big deal. Um, and then also, you know, the help was just was just a little earlier, and, and everyone was kind of dialed in towards the end. And it's kind of what I think what you know we want to see for an entire game. Um, but uh, you know, down the stretch when Wisconsin got the stops, I think we covered it where they you know they had several uh, several possessions. I think I had five possessions in a row they got a stop down uh, down the stretch in the second half, um, and that that's just a result of, of the help being there on time, recovering on time doing all the things, you know, their coach do and they should be doing. Um, and, and I think that was a big deal is that, you know, they, they played 35 minutes of kind of lackluster ball um, and, and then just, you know, flipped the switch and turned it on. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the ability to, uh, to kind of lock in, even when you're fatigued, even, you know, when the chips are down and uh, be able to do that was a, was a big deal. 
couple more minutes here with uh, Sean Varanasi, who does film work for BadgerBlitz.com. You can read his work at BadgerBlitz.com. Uh, Sean, there's been a lot of talk about uh, Jonathan Davis, who, you know, he's not the first true freshman to come in and make an impact at Wisconsin, but he just seems to, to be wired a little bit differently, especially on defense. It uh, reminds me a little bit of how Josh Gosser kind of made himself known when he first started playing at Wisconsin. He did it on the defensive end. Brad Davison kind of too the same way. Um, Jonathan has that flair to him. We've seen it at times with his ability to attack and finish uh, with with either hand. Uh, certainly uh, last night too didn't shoot particularly well, but made those kind of those great plays around the rim. Uh, what do you see from him on both ends of the court that uh, is going to leave? Give give him the opportunity to be a a not just a big impact player this year, but kind of grow into an even bigger role year next year when possibly some of these seniors choose not to come back, or especially in two years when a lot of these seniors like Davidson and Trice won't be here anymore, and he'll have a much bigger role on this team. Yeah, and I and I think that's uh, that's kind of a huge thing, and, and that's been one of the the most pleasant surprises of the season for me is is how just truly ready he looks, and he's looked from the from the get go. Um, I think I'll start defensively. He's just got like I said, he's kind of just an all around package where he's versatile. He can he can cover multiple positions, and he and he finishes possessions well um, by by getting rebounds well. But he's just got this motor where he just never gives up on a play. He's always seemed to be around the ball. He always seems to be able to help um, and recover really well. Um, and I think those are kind of the little things that that this this program is built on, um, especially on the defensive end that you see um, that are really valued. And, and Davis does a great job of doing doing those things. Um, and what I really like about him offensively is is I guess we haven't seen the full picture, right? We've seen him, you know, we've seen him struggle in, in some of the mid range in the mid range stuff. Um, his three ball is is has been all right, but it's been been low volume. Um, but I guess what you see offensively is it's kind of that same motor. But what I really like is just the willingness to be aggressive. Um, and my philosophy is always like it's better to to make mistakes when you're going 100 miles an hour than to be out there and be tentative. Especially if you look forward, um, you know, into next year and, and years following. You know, Jonathan Davis is used to just going to need to go up to you know mid 20s or higher. Um, so the fact that he's kind of figuring it out, getting comfortable, understanding where his spots are and where they're not. Um, when he's got this supporting cast to kind of be a safety net, is uh, I think it's going to pay dividends in the future. So I think um, you know, offensively, it's just it's just it's just this willingness to be aggressive, it's this willingness to hunt your shot. Um, and when you're as talented um, and as athletic as Johnny is, uh, you know, it's it's not something that uh, you know I think uh, is, is a bad thing right now. So you've got all these seniors and all these these experienced guys around you, like go out there and and, and feel free to try to go make some plays and make mistakes because this is the best time to learn. Sean, I don't think many people took Michigan's undefeated start too seriously. Um, I mean, certainly, they were really the last team left standing in the Big Ten from an undefeated standpoint, just because a lot of the other really good teams played each other and were knocking each other off. But these Wolverines are, are pretty darn good, and we've seen that here over the course of the last several games with how they've been playing and how they've kind of been blowing out teams. Uh, this is going to be a tough test for Wisconsin here on Tuesday. And I think this next week, not just... Michigan on Tuesday, but Rutgers on Friday is going to tell us a lot about this team. Uh, maybe more so than them playing at Michigan State on Christmas. Uh, kind of walk me through what you see in this matchup with Wisconsin and Michigan. There appears to be a little bit of some parallel between what Michigan does and what Indiana likes to do. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. So obviously Michigan has had a, a great start to the season, and, and you're just going to hear about Hunter Dickinson more and more because he's just been he's just been for lack of a better word just a stud for Michigan. Um, and he, you know, specifically for him, he's just super efficient in the post. So I think he's um, averaging around 1.4 points per possession in the post, which is like unheard of efficiency. I think Synergy has that in the hundredth percentile. So he's probably the best guy in the country there. Um, he's similarly effective as a, as a role man at pick and roll too. So, what kind of intrigued me about this matchup with uh, with Indiana was that you know I think Indiana kind of fits a similar profile as Michigan. Um, you know they got a big big guy Indiana Trace Jackson Davis um, who's who's good in the post, who's uh, who's a good role man, and then kind of surround them with shooters who want to attack closeouts and dribble um, and, and can pass the ball well too. I mean, I thought I, you know, I, I was sitting here thinking about what you know what Wisconsin's going to do to stop Dickinson. Um, 
and and I saw Wisconsin tried a couple things in the first half against Trace Jackson Davis, where you know they were doubling him. Um, I think one time they sent a full out hard double, which is one of the first times I've seen them double the post this season. And then a couple other times they kind of stunted on the first dribble. So you know once Trace Jackson Davis put the ball on the floor, I think Wall came over once um, and, and tried to tried to double him and get the ball out of his hands. And I think Davis did it again later. So I think that's kind of a coverage you'll see Wisconsin might mix in against Dickinson too. Um, the, the the scarier part with Michigan is I think you know they're a little they're kind of like Indiana on steroids. I think Dickinson's a little better than Trace Jackson Davis, and then the supporting cast with with guys like Wagner and Livers and Eli Brooks and Mike Smith. Those guys are those guys are some of the, some of the best you'll see um, in the Big Ten, and and all of those you know those four surrounding guys can all put the ball on the floor, um, they'll space the floor. Um, so it's going to be an interesting test, but I thought Wisconsin's, uh, you know, doubling the post a little bit. And I thought in the second half, something they did um, for Trace Jackson Davis, I don't know if this is intentional or not, they started playing him a little a little higher, too. So they weren't, like, fully top-locking him or playing the high side or anything like that, but it was almost like a three-quarter, um, kind of a three-quarter coverage where they are trying to keep him over to his baseline shoulder. Um, and, and kind of the reason for that, I'm guessing, was just because he had probably three or four really good post touches where he got to the middle and, and was able to really easily get a hook shot up and over. Um, and when you get, you know, when you take him baseline, he kind of loses the backboard a little bit um, and, and makes it a tougher angle to finish the finish the shot. So I think we saw a little bit of that. I'm curious to see if Wisconsin does the similar thing with Dickinson. Um, Dickinson, as well, is, is not a great uh, perimeter shooter, just like Trace Jackson Davis. So you kind of want to force him to, to catch the ball deep, whether it's just, um, you know, in pick-and-pop situations, just kind of, you know, bait him to, to pop and, and catch the ball deep um, or, or root him out from his uh, from his deep post position. But Dickinson's been, been kind of a load for everybody this year. So it'll be interesting to see if Wisconsin unveils anything else um, to, to try to slow down that attack. But I think what we saw against, you know, a couple of wrinkles they threw at Trish Jackson Davis might be some stuff we'll see, uh, you know, Tuesday night. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic matchup. Michigan just got done destroying Minnesota, and now they have uh, extra time to prepare because their game against Penn State has been postponed. And Rutgers, the same thing. Rutgers has got uh, Ohio State uh, here uh, on Saturday night, and then their next game before Wisconsin was against Penn State, so that's going to be postponed as well. So these two teams will each have some time to, to prepare for Wisconsin, but as we've kind of seen here this season, when Wisconsin kind of has a little bit of a stinker, uh, the Marquette game, the Maryland game, and I would even say that the, the this game against Indiana, a little bit of a stinker, they come back and they pretty much are hyper-focused the next game. So uh, this game on Tuesday will be a, a good in, uh, good early season test for them. Uh, Sean, great stuff today. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your next story on BadgerBlitz.com, and we will, uh, we'll touch base again uh, later in the season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks, Ben. Really good stuff there from Sham. Uh, we're going to have to have him back later in the season, hopefully, as Wisconsin closes in on a Big Ten regular season championship. The good news is this team hasn't peaked yet. It's still a team that is hard for me to figure out. I thought I had them figure out on Christmas Day after they won at Michigan State. Turns out Michigan State is still kind of going through their own problems a little bit. Then they had that clunker at home against Maryland. The Big Ten's so good this year that you're going to have those type of games, but I think this week upcoming here, uh, where the Badgers have to find their own energy. It's going to be an empty arena to a, to a degree, but still on the road against a really two really tough teams, Badgers are going to have to be able to come out of the gate, gate stronger than they have been because you don't want to play catch-up against these two really talented and really physical Big Ten teams. For all the latest on Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting, log on to BadgerBlitz.com. On the website now, I'm doing a recap of every position on the football team from the 2020 season. Kind of looking back while looking ahead, you can read those for free. Also, follow me on Twitter at the Badger Nation. Follow us on Twitter at Badgers underscore uh, Badger underscore Blitz, and certainly uh, follow Sean at Badgers Film. We will talk to you next week, and thanks for listening as always to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast.